turn to your neighbor and say, it's all in your head. Would you do that? It's all in your head. <clears throat> all in your head. Well, listen carefully. Um, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Can you imagine building your life on a lie? Can you imagine building your marriage on a lie? Can you imagine building your business on a lie? Can you imagine building your entire life, believing a lie, and you say, oh, no, I would never do that. I can tell you that there are those, my friend, recorded in Scripture and many that have gone before us that experienced, and we all have, what it means to have a lie, to believe a lie. I was going to tell you a lie this morning. I couldn't uh, bring myself to do it, but what I was going to lie about was this. Since I, I was going to take for this service $1,000, 10 $100 bills, and I was going to put periodically, sporadically, I should say, through the congregation in the, in the Bible there, put a $100 bill right inside the cover. And just have them, you know, seven down here on this floor and then three up there in those Bibles. I was going to do that. How many of you, if I'd have done it, how many of you by now would have already reached for that Bible in front of you? May I see your hand? Sure. Some of you just lied because you didn't raise your hand. So we're in good. Let me tell you, I would have already been down the whole aisle. Send them on there. Pass me the Bible, please. Get, get it on down here to me. Let me take a look. Now, did you do that, Pastor? I didn't. Well, why didn't you do it? Um, because I didn't have $1,000, 10 $100 bills. But it was a great idea. But you see, how would I have done that? And you believed it had I done it. Because you look and you say, boy, that's a, you look and that's a credible person, etc. We know that the enemy presents himself as a credible person. And we know that culture today is believing a lie. Society is believing a lie. Turn on the television and you will see in every gambit of our society, in every position, individuals that lying is a whole lot easier to tell the truth. And that doesn't surprise us any because we know what the devil's desire and his characteristic is. It is to seek to kill, to devour, and destroy. And that's the enemy's desire. How does he do that? By lying. John 8, says, when he lies, speaking of the Satan, he speaks his native language. In other words, that's the only language he knows is a lie. The devil has never told the truth. Think about it. Never one time because it is not in his character to ever tell the truth. Every time he opens his mouth, it is a lie. How do you know they're lying? Well, how do you know they're lying? Why? Well, when their mouth moves, they're lying. Have you ever said that about anybody? Has anyone ever said that about you? I hope not. Says he speaks his native language for he is a liar. And get this, every lie that's ever told. His influence is behind it. 
You let that sink in for a moment. You see, you don't have to learn to lie. Have you ever seen a small child? Who did that? Did you hit that person? Did you hit your sister? No. (laughs) Who got into the cookies? I didn't. And got chocolate chip all around their mouth. Who left the toilet seat up and there's only one male in the house and it's your husband? I don't know. I don't know. At least I don't remember. That's a good, good reason. We lie. We know for years people thought the earth was flat. Some of you may remember back then when they talked about the earth being flat. But we know the earth is not flat, don't we? We know the earth is what? Is round. We know it's round. In that day where they thought it was flat, they were afraid to get on the water, get on the ocean and sail too far because they figured, man, I'll sail too far and just go right straight down and go over the cliff because the earth is flat. Here's something else I heard. See if you've ever heard this. If you cross your eyes and you get hit in the head while you're crossing your eyes, it will what? stay that way. So you cross your eyes, you get hit, your eyes are going to be crossed from then on. That's a lie. How many has ever had somebody lie to you? Come on now. You're going to be doing this a lot this morning because we're into energy, we're into exercise, and it's important, okay? So uh, just stay with me. There are many others out there and the gullibility of children. We understand that. When I was young and just getting started, I had an individual tell me that I thought was credible. At least I thought they were older than I was. And you're never going to make it. You're never going to. My first message, my first sermon lasted about, I, had, I, don't, I studied and studied and studied. And the whole thing lasted about 11 minutes. I mean, 11 minutes. The guy said, you're never going to amount to anything. How many of you would like to get back to the 11-minute message? I saw one hand over there. Okay, listen, I'll give you that 11-minute message. Somewhere during when I get within 11 minutes of the end of this message, you can start counting, okay? So here we go. You're never going to make it. That, that did a number on me. If you expect to be a pastor, you're not pastor material. You're never going to be successful. I let that get into me. I thought I'm doing all the right things. I'm certainly working hard and sacrificing. And I thought, well, maybe I just need to take another path. I need to do something else because that was the only voice. And listen, the devil will get loud when he needs to get loud, and he'll get soft when he needs to get soft. And that just worked on me. And I began to believe it. And as I began to believe it, I began to be down on myself. I began to get to the place to think, well, maybe he's, maybe he's got something. It adversely affected my message. It adversely affected my, uh, my vision for the future until I came to the realization Because someone else came to me that was credible and said, hey, I got to tell you something. That's one of the greatest messages I've ever heard in my life. You are going to go places. And I thought then I now have an option. I have someone who loves me and someone that 
doesn't think much of me. Well, let me tell you, the one that thought something of me happened to represent God, and the one who didn't think much of me happened to represent the powers of darkness, and that's your decision today. There are those that love you, or you can believe a lie that say you're no more than a good-for-nothing, fed-up, no-good tramp, and you'll never amount to anything spiritual. Rebuke that person in the name of Jesus Christ and say, you are a liar, and that lie comes from the pit of hell. Help me preach this morning, everybody. If you believe the lie, it will adversely affect your decisions. People who tell you you can't sing. I've only met three or four people in my life that I flat know cannot sing. And three of them are in this church. And thank God none of them are in the choir. None of them. I often thought if they wanted to join the choir, what would I do? And I wouldn't needly mouth around about it. I'd go to Eddie and said, don't ever let them in the choir. Get them in your office, have them audition just one time. One time and you'll know, hey, brother, you need to, you need to usher her, sister. That, and that's not because our ushers are not in the choir. All our ushers are great singers, okay? I don't want anything bad said about them or you can't teach, or you're not good enough to be on the team. You're not good enough to be a member. You're not good enough to, to have a stake and a claim in the stake here today. You see, how does he do that? He, he imitates. Satan will imitate. Not only does he lie, but he'll imitate. How does he do that? And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades because he looks good when he needs to. He looks great. He looks perfect. He is, oh, such a beautiful person. But behind that, as I had a family here several, several months ago, the individual came into my office and said, I've been married just a brief period of time. I'm here to tell you the person that I married is not even close. Went to church with me every time before we got married. The minute we got married, no longer wants to go to church. Often treated me, opened the door for me, and romanced me, and now says I can get my own door. Individual that complained and said positive things about me now criticizes me about everything that I do. And she said, it just is unusual, Pastor. What am I going to do? In the natural, that Wayne Blackburn, in the natural, the Arnold Wayne Blackburn said, find you a ball bat when he's asleep. Go down there and give him a lesson in life. But I did not say that <laughs> because that would not be something that I would encourage anyone in pub, I mean, anyone ever to do. What does that do? That, doesn't, that won't get it. It might bring a, a memory. Here's what I wanted to say to her and what I did say to her. Pray. Seek God's wisdom. Amen. Oh, and by the way, were there people in your life that tried to tell you, individuals that are in authority, spiritual authority or your parents, did they ever caution you? Yes, sir. Did they tell you, hey, I don't think, I don't think he's the one for you? Yes, sir. What did you do? Well, pastor, I thought I was in love. 
I thought I'd found the man of my dreams. Unfortunately, that story can be painted over and over again. Where did it come from? The devil can look as good as he needs to look until he reaches the place that says, I'm going to cause you pain. So how do you not have to go through that? And I have good news through this message this morning that will help all of us. We understand that he tries to be something. Halloween's coming around the corner here. People are going to dress up in costumes, some scary. Some are going to have them cute little costumes, you know, and et cetera. Some will have those big old ugly faces while they're masquerading as something that, that they're not. But here's what it is. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit if a person is a born-again believer, do you think the Holy Spirit can give guidance above being led by our emotion? Do you think the Holy Spirit can do that? Do you think the Holy Spirit can give and speak to a person that is stronger than their emotion? I believe that he can. But here's what I know, carnal nature will always take the easiest route as opposed to taking the hard road and trust the truth even if it causes pain rather than dealing with their own emotion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you do that? You stay in love with Jesus Christ. He is, in fact, number one in your life. You ever heard this statement? Well, that looks too good to be true. You've heard it? Well, let me suggest to you this. If it looks like it's too good to be true, if it sounds like it's too good to be true, chances are, largely, it is too good to be true. Amen? Just too good to be true. And when that happens, I want to encourage you, find God, seek God, trust God, dig in the Word of God so that you can discern the truth. And that's what I'll talk about next week. Did you know that when Joshua stood before the angel of the Lord, that the devil stood right there with him? You see, many of us want to have intimacy with God, and we settle for an imitation called religion. We settle with an imitation called works. We settle for a little bit of Bible reading. But you will never really, we will never really experience God's favor and the free flow of God's love until we settle down and live the way God desires for us to live. And how is that? Not my will, but what? Thy will be done. The enemy is a deceiver. He can deceive you. He will deceive you. No doubt, Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning way. Paul brings it to our attention in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 3. Here's what he said to the church now. He's talking to the church. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He identified, you have a sincere and pure devotion. But when the enemy comes, here's my fear, that you will be led astray to believe a lie. So we who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're not exempt from the temptation and the lie of the enemy and the deceptive tools that he chooses to use. 
So we need to be aware and we need to be cognizant of that as we understand it. He's a deceiver, he's an imitator, and he's a liar. So how do we recognize when we renew our mind, we recognize the lies of the enemy? And so Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Picking the fruit that she shouldn't have picked seemed right to Eve. We look at the story of Genesis. God said to Adam and Eve, don't touch it. You're going to have every tree, every fruit, but don't touch that tree. Devil comes along and says, hey, guys, look at the tree. It's the most beautiful here in the garden. And notice all that sweet fruit that's hanging low to get it. He said, here's know what you need to know. God is jealous and doesn't want you to have that prime fruit right there. But God knows something you don't know. He knows if you eat that tree and that fruit, you will become like God. Eve, have some. And Eve, of course, did and reached for the fruit. And the Bible says, if you touch that fruit, that was the instruction, you will surely die. There is a reason, young people, that when you decide to date... Date someone that's of like faith and understands what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't ever, listen to me, everybody, don't ever say, I know if I marry them, I can change them. That ain't going to happen. That's a lie right out of the pit of hell, my friend. Here's another thing. Well, I'll tell you what. If they don't go to church, say, well, I know, well, they didn't go to church much until they met me. Now, now they go to church with me. I'm here to tell you, if they didn't go before the God that you're God, they did not know, and you're probably not going to make any difference. Somebody talk to me. And then when you get enough experience, here's what happens. I'm on a roll. You better listen, my friend. You get to the place that a little touch turns to a kiss, a kiss turns to a little necking, and a little necking turns to emotion. And when the emotion gets involved, your reasoning ability gets blind, deaf, and dumb. And before you know it, you're on a slippery slide, sliding down that slide. And no voice, no parent, no mom, no preacher, nobody is going to invade your private space because you have sunk and started to believe a lie. And the enemy of your little soul will protect you with everything that he has. And the only thing that will cause you to surrender is a divine miracle from God. that wakes you up in the middle of the night and say, don't go there. This is yard talk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't start that 11 minutes yet on me, okay? I'm going to get there. How do we do that? Some basic lies. The enemy will tell you a lie about you. He'll tell you a lie about you. He'll attack your self-worth. He'll make you believe that your worth is based on money. So you'll become a workaholic, sacrificing the relationships of intimates for your own family because you're working all the time. He'll tell you a lie and tell you that your worth is based on your position. Your worth is based on, wow, the money, based on your friends. And tell you your self-worth is based there. Let me tell you what your self-worth is. You are a creation by God the Father. 
And if God the Father did not make any mistakes when he created you, your self-worth is not made, not found in your money and position in your marriage or your personality. Your self-worth is this. He died on the cross for you to redeem you. You are valuable and your self-worth comes straight from Almighty God. Here's another lie. I am the way that I am and I can't change. Hello, I am the way that I am and I can't change. I can't, I can't overcome my weakness. I, I, that leads and say, I know I can't change, so there is no hope for me to ever get any better. I know that I got a stinking personality. I know I got a mouth that gossips all the time. I know that I'm lazy. I know that I'm a, a sucker of other people's energy, and I can never change. When you get a hold of Jesus Christ and he comes into your life, your life begins to change because old things pass away and all things become new. Then he will reach down and say, now I'm going to give you the power to be changed and I will be the change agent. You can change. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, here's another. If you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And what does that mean? It means we look at things that we failed at. We look at the mistakes that we've made. We look at the times that we believed a lie. We look at things that nobody else may know and we think, well, how could God love me if they knew this? Nobody would love me or like me. You see, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And it often causes you to hide. I can tell you, as long as you feel that way, it will be difficult to achieve intimacy. But when you determine this, that there is no past that God remembers in you. Amen? He has forgiven he has forgotten. And it's high time you believe that you are forgiven. And it's high time that you forgot it by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If God loves you, pray tell what else really matters to you in your life. Number four, the enemy will lie to you about your happiness. Lie to you about your happiness. He'll tell you that money provides happiness, security. Happiness is there. You become the workaholic materialistically you think about wow materially i've got everything and that makes me happy you'll become greedy if you're not careful and you'll begin to hoard things and the enemy will tell you and lie to you about happiness happiness is not found in things or individuals happiness is found because the bible says the joy of the lord is my strength here's happiness if you know that you're saved and you know it say amen, amen. That's happiness. Here's another. To be happy, you must be married. If I just got married, if I just remarried, I'd be happy. Can I tell you something? 
I don't feel like a whole person. Because I'm not married, may I suggest to you that one is a whole number. I believe y'all getting real quiet. Some of you getting nervous. And I wouldn't blame you. You see, if I'd be married, I'd be happy. Sets you up for a relationship that will probably fail. Because you based your happiness on another person. I'm telling you, everybody you know has lied to you sometimes. Everybody you know has deceived you probably sometimes. Everybody you know has not been truthful totally with you sometimes. How in the world can you believe that a person, a man, you ladies, a man made out of dirt could ever make you happy? 50-50, they say, for marriage. 50 are still married. 50% of the people's got divorced. So if I just got married, I think I'd be happy. If you've ever been married one time, my friend, and you went through a divorce, you just remember back a little bit why that divorce happened, and you'll find it will quickly eradicate that thought. If I just get married again, I'll be happy. But here's what you need to do according to the Word of God. Find yourself in God. Find your true north in God. Dig deep in Him and say, God, if that's what you want, I want you to know I'll be a happy camper. But if it's going to happen, you're going to have to send them my way. You're going to have to make it so clear that it's you because here's what I want. I want what you want. Can you say amen? Now listen to me, ladies. That doesn't mean you walk around like some old tramp slooped down in your shoulders. It's harder for God to do something for you, but it's a whole lot easier on God if you walk into the church on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. And you're believing God. If you want to do something for me, you can do it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In other words, look good, smell good, be good, keep a smile on your face. It's easier for God to do something. And you men, you men, don't do that kind of walk. That's bad. You're not God's answer to every woman. Let me say it again. You are not. Let me give you yard talk. You ain't God's answer to any woman. You people listening online, there are thousands of you. Listen up. I just were married. You know what's happening? <laughs> there are people that are married to saying right now, if I was just divorced, I'd be happy. You're sitting there saying, if I were married, I'd be happy. And over there across the pew from you, they're saying, if I was divorced, I'd be happy. God is standing up there and saying, neither one of you be happy until both of you dig down in the relationship with me and say, my will be done over your will and watch me go to work on you. Now, some of you out there, you did not like that point, and that's okay. So I will move on. I must be in control other than to be happy. How many of you know an absolute control freak? How many of you, some of you did not raise your hand. Did you know why? Because you're seated with them. 
I must be in control in order to be happy. If you're in a car and you're driving and the person over in the seat beside you is telling you how to drive, telling you how you ought to turn, hold the steering wheel, if that person beside you is sitting there criticizing you while you're driving, two things. They're either a control freak or they are scared to death that you're driving. <laughs> People die to be able to ride with me. <laughs> well, they're willing to die anyway. It'd be in control. You see, often if you're running late and you're a control freak and somebody called you to run late, and you believe, hey, I'm miserable and you make everybody else miserable because you're five minutes late. You want to be in control of everything. Let me tell you one of the most liberating things in the world is to release control to those who are responsible and those that you trust and say, I trust you. I release this control to you. Say that to your wife, darling. I release control of you cleaning this house to you 100%. <laughs> giving it to you. Here's another. Satan loves to lie to us about God. About God. Yeah, he loves to misrepresent God. He tells us and tries to get us to believe that the more we do for God, the more God will love us. That's a lie. That the more homage that we pay to God, the more God will love us in all those things and all those works. That doesn't do it. God's not into works. He's not into religion. That leads to legalism. You can never be happy with your relationship with God if you feel like you never reached the mark of accomplishment. Let me say to you, if you are a born-again believer, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and God has put his stamp of approval on you. Amen. By his blood, you are saved and redeemed. God surely, you think, God surely cannot be pleased. You see, there are challenges out there that says, if I had a little bit of religion then I'm, I know that I'm on my way. Religion doesn't get you to heaven. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him will. Number eight, whatever you've done is so bad that God will never forgive you. God will forgive others, but if others knew how bad you were, if others knew the constant struggle of temptation that you have, if others knew the result of things that you did knowingly, then they wouldn't love you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners in the midst of the muck of disobedience, in the midst of rebellion, in the midst of turning our back on God, that even while we were doing that, he still loved us. And how much more does he love us now? We throttle up and we say, I will allow what happened in the past because God has forgiven and he has forgotten. So don't let the enemy tag you with that. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What does that mean? It means you fight back in Jesus' name. 
And that's what Jesus did in Matthew 4 when he was tempted of the evil one. The devil came out there where he was at and said, you looked hungry. Why don't you say to the rocks uh, and turn these rocks into bread? And Jesus said, I rebuke you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil says, oh, listen, you know what? You're God. And if you fell off this cliff right here and off this pinnacle, he said yeah, he'd reach down and and pick you up. He, he wouldn't let you be harmed. And he said, it is written, thou shalt not put the Lord God to the test. And he said, well, come up here and take the look. All that out there can be yours if you'll just bow down to me and all the splendor. God doesn't want you to have that, but it can be yours. And Jesus said, the Bible says, or the truth is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and he alone. The enemy always tells lies. You and I, this morning in this room or on the threshold where we can see more clearly the future of God in our lives. And that threshold says, Lord Jesus, help me in my weakness and help me not to believe a lie. And the Bible says, you'll come forth as pure gold. Finally, the evil one will try to deceive you or lie to you through people who seem to love you most. You see, God, I believe, desires for us to wake up every day ready for the greatest adventure of your life. Wake up this morning, 10 minutes till 5. This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. I get to go to church. I get to see the most beautiful people in the world. Tomorrow morning will be Monday morning. And I intend to wake up as I do every day with a good attitude and a good spirit when I finally get to the place of realizing who I am. And I say, God, this is another day of adventure. That doesn't mean that there may not be difficulties, may not be stressful situations, may not be circumstances that I can't control, but you're not going to take me off my mark. Amen? In other words, you're not going to take me off that, that horse on the merry-go-ground down at Walmart. I intend to stay on that thing until the thing runs out of money or somebody unplugs it. That's how I view my life, and I'm not going to believe a lie. There may be brief periods that I go through difficulty as we're coming through a season that I've told you about. But here's what I know. I know my God rules and my God reigns, and no matter what happens and what the enemy says or does, I am going to make it. I want you to look at it. You wake up every day and say, look what the Lord has done. And then you live that way and you believe that way and you trust that way. And then somebody will come along and say, you know what? You're too spiritually minded. Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why, why do you pay your tithe? Why do you, why do you pray? All they ever want out of you down at that church is money. Rebuke them. All they ever want. You get down to that church, I got, they got more things you can get involved in. You don't even have a life. As they pop a top and guzzle down a Bud Light. You know why? They want you in their box. They want you in their control. And some people that you might respect will never be found in the place of giving you encouragement and lifting you up. Listen, if you have a friend, and hopefully you do, 
Be an encourager to your friends. Be an encourager. Be an encourager to the degree they may not believe you half the time because you encourage all the time, but they still like to hear it. Well, I want you to know of all the men that I know, you are a true man of God. But if you knew me, you wouldn't be saying that about me. Oh, no. If you've been redeemed, you are a man of God. We look at that and we think, wow, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to go, I got to go to the cross. I'm going to die. It's going to be rough. I'm going to die a cruel death. Peter speaks up and he says, this will never happen to you over my dead body, so to speak. It's not going to happen. I'll stand in the way. And you know what Jesus said to him? This is what he said. Get behind me, Satan. Not get behind me, Peter. Because you know what? Jesus knew where that spirit was coming from. And he hit the nail on the head. Get behind me, Satan. You are stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind of the things of God. But instead, the things of men. You may feel like, God, you have called me to accomplish that. You've called me to live this way. You have called me to step in faith. It's important to seek counsel from your friends, those that you know, those that you know love and trust. And at the end of the day, here's some of the mistakes that people do. Listen, you find out you've got a problem or a challenge. Let me just tell you, you get on the Internet and you Google everything under the sun. I'm advising you don't do that. Why? Because you will be one more confused puppy by the time it is over. Find you somebody that you know, love, and trust. Find you a site that is a credible site, and then turn it all over to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go and Google a site right now, and it will say holding your left arm out like this this long will cause your arm to rot. He said, Peter, you don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of man. Listen to people that has the mind of God. And then Paul writes in Romans 12 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So number one, the enemy has never told the truth. Every time he speaks, it is a lie. He is a masquerader of that which looks good. He is an imitator. He will do it every time. What is your hope? Your hope is to dig deep into the Word of God, trust the people that you know and love most, show yourself approved in this Word right here, and stand your ground by the, by the grace of God. And as we confess our sins, we remember Jesus Christ died for us and is more than willing to forget us. So what are we? I heard a young person say, oh, I'm an ugly mess. Well, that's a phraseology. I'm a mess. You know what it means? I'm a mess. That's what it means. Things are not well. Things are ugly a little bit. 
I'm a mess. I've looked at some people and they didn't even have to say they were a mess. I knew it just by looking at them. So you're a mess. I mean, you're a mess. Here's what I know. It's all in your mind, all in your head. You get to choose. You've heard these points today. You understand the enemy, things that we already knew. But when you leave here today, don't let him lie to you anymore. Oh, he will. He'll dupe you. He's good at what he does. But dig yourself real deep in God. Because here's what I believe is I'll talk to you about next week. How to discern the voice of God and discern the voice of the enemy. That's the story next week and about just about contentment when you understand that. And it will help you and benefit you by the grace of God. So let's stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, thank you today for this message. Thank you for your whispering word today. It's a word of, a, word of counsel, a word of encouragement, a word of healing. It's a word of redemption, and we need your help. Maybe you're here this morning and you're listening online and you find out you're kind of on the fence with God or you find out that you've never really made a forward step toward the Lord Jesus Christ and really confessed your sins. Oh, I've confessed my sins, but then you got to have a behavior that follows that up. That's how you know the fruit's there. It's how you know that what you said you meant and you followed it up with behavior that is conducive to a redeemed person. That's how you know that. So I want to ask you to let's bow our heads, those of you here and those online, and would you simply repeat this prayer, every person, would you? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, believe I believe by faith that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ died for my sins. For my sins. I confess my sins, I confess my and I believe by faith believe by he faith. has forgiven me. Has forgiven now take my, heart take my heart and use it as you choose. As you choose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You see, here's what I know. Life is like an onion. And when you have times like this in the altar, the first thing that goes is that little silky little things that just will break apart the minute you take the onion and take it off. And then the next one is usually pretty green and you take it off. And usually there's another layer that you have to take off. And then you get to what's considered to be if it's a white onion or you get to the pure onion part. Here's what I know, that God has the ability to peel the layers off from us. And you're here this morning in this message and some resonated with you. Maybe some of you, some parts of that message just aggravated you. Mm -hmm. you'll have to deal with God on that others of you it convicted you others of you it brought back a memory and said wow that was a time of hurt but there's nobody standing on your feet right now or seated that is perfect every one of us if we had a come clean Sunday morning and we were as transparent as we could be, we'd all be an ugly mess. But the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse us and give us hope. And if you have a challenge that God has spoken to you about, 
we're going to sing this song. And what you're doing when you just slip down to the altar is just saying, God, peel the layers away from me. And let me be stronger when I leave this building today than when I came in. And the way for that to be is I'm coming to lean on you. In Jesus' name, let's sing the song and you be obedient. Would you do that? Here we go. of you in the balcony make your way down here some of you leaders help us Heavenly Father, we have delivered the Word of God today. We put it on a plate and served it to this congregation and around the world. It's the best we can do. It is your Word and its truth. I pray that the unction of this Word will stand strong with us. I pray that we'll never see the preaching of the Word of God as an enemy, but we'll see it as a friend. I pray that the Word of God will convict us every time. And God, it will encourage us to make the choices that we need to honor you. I look to you and I believe in the weakness of myself. And using me to deliver the Word of God brings humility to my heart. But I pray, God, that what we see is not the deliverer, that we see the person who is on the cross but no longer on the cross, but seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Gotta ask you to do it. Bring a miracle and touch every heart and every life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Then let me encourage you to be here tonight to the message, Faith That Is On Fire. Listen carefully before you move. Those of you that are leaders in the church, I just a word of admonition. I've watched some of you get to the place that maybe you only show up on Sunday morning. Did you know that on Sunday night that we have people from other churches because their churches do not have church? They come here. This is not the day, friend, especially among leaders, and that is in whatever area you're leading. This is not the day God has given us permission to not be in the house of the Lord. So I'm encouraging you, this is the best I can do, to come in faith believing because some marvelous things can happen, particularly 
on a Sunday night. So if you've been a little reckless and a little lax, let me encourage you, get back. Get back, because there ain't nothing on television. I was out for a while. Ain't nothing out there compared to being here and fellowshipping with one another. And everybody that still loved the preacher said, and everybody that didn't, shush your mouth. God bless you. Thank you.